Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Crushing It in Construction podcast. My name's Jordan Skinner. I'm your host, and this week I'm chatting with Caitlin Mead, the CEO of the Robinson Civil Group. The Robinson Civil Group is a, a family business that's experienced a, a huge amount of growth over the last few years, and now they roughly have 80 full-time staff and 200 pieces of plant. Throughout all of that growth, the company's placed a massive priority on training and developing their staff, and as a result, in 2021, they won the Medium Employer of the Year Award. In this episode, Caitlin and I talk about the company's commitment to training and how that has helped them stand out in an extremely competitive labor market and get them seen as an employer of choice. I'm really excited to have Caitlin on the podcast. She's very open and honest with how they're going about their training and shares a lot of great information in this episode. So let's get into the show. G'day, Caitlin. Thanks for coming on the show today. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, so for everybody that doesn't know you yet, could you just tell us who you are and what it is you do? Yes, I'm Caitlin Mead. I'm the CEO of the Robinson Civil Group. Cool. So tell us a little bit about the Robinson Civil Group. Robinson Civil Group, otherwise marketed as RCG, uh, we commenced early on in the 1990s, um, sort of hailed from a grassroots, ma and pa type business, growing for some time now, we uh, specialise in stabilising and profiling, and our core business is in project management, delivering uh, date-controlled roads, road reconstruction. What's the business look like today? Has it grown quite a bit? I think we, we spoke about when we had our pre-interview chat. Yes, it has. So when I joined the business, uh, I sat in a room with both of the directors now. It was the three of us. Uh, one director spent most of his time out on the projects and behind the wheel of a grader. Now we have 79 full-time equivalent staff and we are now running contracts uh, 20 million plus and um, we'll have over 200 items of plant in our fleet. Yeah, so do you have stabilisers themselves as well? Yes, yep. yeah. So we've got a small fleet of stabilisers and a rather large fleet of profilers as well. Tell us about how you actually got into the industry. Is this something you've always been in or did you start in something else and then come into it? How did you get involved? So fundamentally, RCG is a family-based business. The directors are both my mum and my stepfather. Didn't just walk into the business out of school or anything like that. I sort of found my own way over time into construction. Uh, the first exposure I had was through hardware. So I became the trade sales rep in our local hardware store after some time. Through that, I actually found a passion for building construction and went off and became a building designer uh, and worked locally in far north Queensland with different builders uh, until the global financial crisis. And that saw myself move into the family business where through stimulus at that time, civil construction and the civil industry really started to take off and the family sort of was looking for someone with uh, enough experience and enough background to come in and help with the growing business at the time and, of course, the future direction. So was that something you were excited about, working with family and stepping back into a family business? <laughs> uh, it was. Uh, it came with a little bit of trepidation. Um, I'm sibling of many so you know it's uh, at the time it was interesting uh, I think one of the biggest challenges at the time I had was to get my parents to see me as a colleague not as a child um, yeah. so th there was some 
some hurdles we had to overcome there. And then, of course, with multiple siblings, uh, not in the industry, but sort of in and around, there then became some other areas where, you know, engaging with with my brothers and whatnot to come into the business and, and participate in the business became one of my missions to do. So we really tried to grow in that family ethos. So yeah, it was always, it was interesting. It was a challenge at the time and one that I was more than willing to take on. So what was your first job when you came into the civil side of things? Admin. Admin. So yep, yep. As I said, I'd grown myself in building construction as a building designer. I'd sort of gone through into project administration, contract administration, and slightly towards project management. And at this point in time, uh, when I was approached by my parents, it was purely to come in at an admin level, start to deal with tenders, systems administration. So at that point in time, there was the big push for third-party certifications around safety, environmental and quality to ensure that you could meet client requirements. So that was my first main task when I started was to to meet and achieve those standards. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about some of the different stages that the company's sort of been through to get to where it is today. Like you said, you started off quite small and, and I suppose because you weren't there from the very beginning, there's some things that you maybe didn't experience. But tell us about some of the different stages that the company's gone through. Yeah. So as I said from the start, uh, very basic the Australian way where mum and dad um, start a business with a with a body truck and a backhoe. Uh, they make ends meet while the kids grow up. And then I think once once all the kids left home, there was the ability to really sort of focus on the business. Through that, it grew into delivering subdivisions and road construction and predominantly a lot of plant hire as well with clients through local government and state government. I know at the point that I came on board, there was a celebration of, of basically a $2 million purchase order just for plant hire to deliver some road construction on the Peninsula Developmental Road. And that was sort of the first stage of growth where we, we shifted into the company structure from a mum and dad partnership and we expanded from there. So that grew over a while and then um, we sort of doubled in size, then probably another eight years ago, went through exceptional growth and some growing pains, I think, with the, the, the intensity in which the growth came. And then we have sort of continued to just meet the market for some time, um, small staged growth since then. And we've, we're sort of moving now into another growth phase. Tell us about some of those growing pains that you touched on there. What, what were they and you know, how, how did you deal with them? It's funny because you, uh, I sometimes I call it, uh, you know, the uncontrollable beast because being in this industry and being in a business like we are, you got to invest in resources that's human and physical. And then to invest in those resources, you've got to be meeting the, the revenue and the profitability you need to maintain those. But then as you grow in size with revenue, then that means growth with resources. So it's it's a perpetual motion that sometimes can get out of control very quickly. And we sort of went from probably looking at around that 30 to 40 uh, FTE in our human resources and basically went to 80 and above um, within side six months. So human resources at that time became a big focus. Culture, of course, becomes a big focus because 
when you grow personnel in that size, trying to control the culture of the business can become very difficult. Of course, exceptional growth in resources. So, you know, the the relationship with the bank becomes very important with regards to financing plant and equipment. So it all sort of just one day you realize that it's all become a lot bigger uh, than you first thought it was going to be. Yeah, we always found around that 30 to 40 mark, you, you're kind of in that mushy middle where you're not big enough to have sort of the, the management structure in place that you kind of need for the next phase. But then you go any bigger than that and you, you either need to go big or go home is what we found. So when we were around that size, it was either you stay at this, it's manageable, you keep plodding along, you get what you can. Or to go to that next stage, like you said, it's a big investment to go to that next level. Yeah, and I think sometimes you plan for that kind of growth and then sometimes you find that that growth has been thrust upon you and it's the unexpected, uh, you you just took a very big bite, now you've, you've committed to chew, you've got to get through it. Yeah, yeah, that was one of our sayings, take a bite and chew like hell and make sure you get through it. Um, yeah. But you and I were chatting a couple of weeks ago and one of the things that stuck out to me was was you personally, your commitment to training and the company's commitment to training. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes. Uh, so the commitment to training has always been there. It's grown also with that commitment to the human resources and the growth of human resources. So myself, again, coming from the building construction industry, uh, the moment that I was thrust into an admin role in civil construction, one of the first things I did was establish a relationship with an RTO in civil and uh, undertook competencies myself. So I did a cert for in civil operations. Of course, I then backed that up with a diploma in management and I have done a wealth of other short courses uh, in safety and leadership, et cetera. Because when you're working inside a business and a family business, the ability to go off to university and get degrees and, and even a master's at the moment for me is unattainable. But to be able to work with RTOs, chew away at courses that give you the skill and ability to do your job uh, and to contribute to the company is very important. So when I applied that ethos to myself, I knew that's exactly how I needed to treat each and every one of my team members. Just enlighten me, RTO, what's that stand for again? Registered Training Organisation. Okay, so this is something you outsource? Uh, We have a rigorous training plan. Uh, and a rigorous commitment to training, but to become a registered training organisation is a beast all in its own. So another whole level of accreditations and um, scrutiny when it comes to being able to deliver training because in our industry, it's backed by so much funding. In construction in Queensland, we all contribute to the the long service leave levy, Q-leave. A part of that levy also then goes into a training fund as well, plus there's other government funding systems that are applied to it. So to be able to deliver training in the construction industry and be a registered training organisation, the compliance is is quite extensive. So instead of trying to do that internally, yes, partnering with established RTOs that do that as their core business is the relationships that we build. So so was it just your experience in how all the extra education that, that you went through actually helped you, that inspired you to offer these same opportunities to, to your team? Was it just that? Was there other things going on within the industry that made you think that, you know, maybe offering this training was a, a competitive advantage in maybe the labour market or what else was it? Yeah, it, it's a combination of things. I think being a younger person coming into the industry, one of 
the factors that I identified was the skills gap, um, qualified people, skilled people in the industry were 40, 50 plus males. And there wasn't much coming in under that when it came to experienced personnel. So even with all of those gentlemen that I started with, who we still have in our employment, um, we organised to get all of their lifelong experience and their school of hard knocks recognised. And every one of those gentlemen now have also got qualifications to support the experience that they had over their, their life experience with working. But at the same time, to be able to bring in additional skills in the industry and start to get professionals and experienced people, we recognise the fact that we needed to start to produce those skills. They weren't coming, knocking on our door and they weren't readily available. Yeah, well, I think that's a problem that our, you know, the construction industry as a whole has is that a lot of the knowledge is, is going to the graveyard. So trying to figure out a way to extract that knowledge from the older generation that have kind of been there, done that, is pretty important. What changes have you seen in the company since you've started implementing all this training? Well, again, it comes with the growth. Uh, so we are able to continue to commit to growing still. We're able to commit to taking on more projects. We're able to commit to buying more equipment and doing more plant hire, particularly in the specialised areas of stabilising and profiling. Uh, when I started, we had one stabiliser and one gentleman learning how to operate a stabiliser. We now have eight profilers and three stabilisers and we have experienced operators across the board. So Whilst we invest in our employees, it gives us the ability to get a return on that investment through growth and, and being able to meet our clients' requirements. You also mentioned when we last spoke that you'd recently won an award. Um, tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, so I have to say it's a bit of a feather in my cap because I've nominated every two years for the Queensland Training Awards and we have progressively uh, gone up in our recognition with the Queensland Training Awards. So first time around we nominated regionally, we weren't recognised. Second time we nominated regionally, we won. And we went to Queensland as a regional finalist. We did that for another two rounds, becoming a Queensland state finalist without winning. And last year, not only did we win Queensland, uh, we actually went on to the national finalist and became the national medium employer of the year as well recognizing our commitment to training. Yeah, that's amazing. So what results have you seen as, as a result of that reward? I mean, that's got to help in terms of exposure to different employees, seeing you guys as somewhere that would be great to work. Yeah, that would be the area that I have seen the most reward for us is in a way being recognized as an employer of choice. Um, with the extensive training history and also the extensive recognition of the training People understand that it's not something that we just came out of the blue last year and uh, did an intense training program and got recognised for it. This is a 10-year-plus commitment to training where we are able to offer any person who wishes to join our team a future. They have career development. Uh, we offer a training plan from the start. We cross-train. We've got light vehicle mechanics training to become diesel fitters. We've got diesel fitters training to become civil construction plan operators. We've got labourers learning how to be leading hands. 
in every facet there is the ability to be cross-trained or, or upskilled so that people have opportunity with us. Yeah, I think being able to offer that is a massive differentiator in the market at the minute because a lot of people say, you know, that, you know, our company is a great place to work, um, but there's very few backing up with the kind of stuff that you guys are, which is great to see. And what's in the future for Robson Civil? Where do you see it going from here? Is the aim now just to keep growing? Like, what, what's the end goal? Oh, I don't, don't know if there is an end goal. Uh, the plan at the moment is we have been delivering a rather concerted effort to consolidate our team in the last two years where we're doing a lot of internal mentoring and cross-training not only out in the field but in our paraprofessionals and our engineers and our project managers um, and even into the administration team to be able to take that next step and, and, and leap of growth. We're going through the tendering phase, of course, for the this year. Uh, successful currently at a couple of tenders that is going to see at this point in time another uh, growth phase probably sort of going sort of at, at 150% of our current position. Uh, so again, um, we're lining up for that, take a big bite and just chew the way through it. Chew like hell, yep. Yep. <laughs> Tell us like with all this growth, I mean, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you've made in this time? I mean, you know, not everything in business is smooth sailing. So what's a big mistake that you've made along the way and, and what has that taught you? I think the biggest mistake that we had made was in in that first real stage of growth and being unprepared for it. So now our business planning is more stringent. Identifying the needs analysis of growth is more important. You know, right now we're starting to look at software investment and stuff like that as well to support being able to branch out across more areas, um, run more projects at, at one time. Uh, and I guess in the whole conversation, it has been understanding that the investment and the human resources really where we will make or break it. Um, so that culture side of things as well. So trying to try again, while we consolidate over the last two years, trying to embed that solid culture so that as we move on and we try to grow not only in revenue and resources, but human resources, we're able to unfold in a cultural sense that is acceptable to our company and can continue to de deliver the same quality and maintain the same high level of reputation that RCG has in the industry. Yeah. So coming into a company when you were kind of the fresh blood and you've obviously had this real focus towards culture and how important that is within a company and, and enabling it to grow, did you get any pushback within the business from family or older people within there? Because for those that know, I, I come from civil contracting and the older people in the industry or older people in business typically think, um, you know, I'm giving you a job. You should be happy just to have a job. And that's not the case anymore. So I'm just, I'm just curious to know, you, you're very forward thinking with all this. Did you meet any resistance with this, you know, all the training and all the investment in culture and stuff like that? Jordan, I'm going to get shot for this, but I do come <laughs> up against it every day. So how did you justify it? Because at the end of the day, I think in, because we're in construction, we like to see numbers. We like to see that if we're going to spend X amount of dollars over here, we're going to see X amount of return over here. Like we want to be able to see, hear, touch and feel these kinds of things. But culture and people and all of that is not something you can see. So how do you justify it and get buy-in? That's right. It's it's such a touchy-feely subject that uh, the 
old guard isn't quite up to date with. Like you said, we're constantly in roundtable discussions where we're speaking about, um, yes, people should be appreciative that they've got a job. People's pay packet is our thanks for the work that they've put in. There's an expectation of everybody to turn up for work and to be proactive and to just have a level of common sense. And that was the common sense that the generation before was raised with. And you don't go to work without being available 100% to give 100% all of the time. And I tend to sit around the table and say, yes, completely understand. You know, I'm, I'm talking to people that raised myself. I've been brought up with that that ethos I've been brought up with that work mentality um, and I fully appreciate it uh, I wouldn't have it any other way however you've got to be able to change and grow because if we stay in a thought process that is 20 years old 40 years old 50 years old and we're trying to deliver that in today's market then we won't succeed so I'm always in roundtable discussions talking about how we need to look at the touchy-feely side of it and be able to communicate differently and demonstrate to people how we expect them to align with our culture, um, and, and our safety values, our quality val- values and our cultural values to be able to have an all-round solid person in our team. It can't just be one where, you know, it, it's... You come in, you do your job, you go home, and you'd be thankful for having a job, like you said. Yeah, and it's difficult for people to change. But like you said, 30 years ago, people of, say, my, my parents' generation, you were thankful to have a job and you were thankful to get paid and that because that was going to be how you fed your family. But things have changed to the point where, you know, kids now have more opportunity than ever because they've been brought up with technology. They communicate differently. They, they learn about things differently. And all of those different ways of doing things are affording them the opportunity to work in a lot of different industries. So it's just giving people so much more opportunity. And the smart people that I work with are the ones that maybe still do feel like, you know, yes, you should have common sense. Yes, you should be thankful for a job. But they're also saying, well, well, that's not working anymore. So what do we do to change? They're at least open to change in what they're doing, which I think is the most important part. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a generation that retired with 50 years of service with one employer. Uh, mm. Now to say that you've had employees uh, with Kenya with a company is celebrated. And the shift is no longer, and I went through a pretty intense sort of recognition of this last year, you can't just advertise and look for people and tell them that you want a hardworking employee and you want commitment and you want skill and, and all the things that the company wants from an employee. The market has shifted so much with the human resources, that you need to sell the company to the individual. You need to tell them what you can do for them, that you're giving them career progression, that you're giving them a meaningful existence in their job, not just one that returns so much dollars per hour. Um, It's all about making sure that they understand that they're coming into a place that offers more than just a pay package. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I always like to end these episodes on a bit of a personal note. So is there a weird or interesting fact about you that most people don't know? Look, I have listened to your episodes and I have heard wonderful facts about some people and I really struggle with this one. I'm not too sure that there's anything weird or wonderful that people don't really know about me. I I guess um, I think one of the things is probably a learning that I had 
going back about five, six years ago when I finally realized that I needed to invest in myself um, personally, as well as investing in, in myself and others professionally so much. So I am big on uh, taking time out of the workplace to to exercise, um, to make sure that I've got time with family and all that sort of jazz. So that's probably my biggest thing is, is just one of those ones where we can all seem so committed to doing our job uh, 150% of the time, but um, I do take balance very seriously. Yeah, I, th- I think you have to. It's all, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy, doesn't it? So, uh, like I said, I've really enjoyed chatting with you. Where can everybody get in touch with you, connect online, and, and learn more about the company? We're actually just going through a website upgrade. So our website at the moment is one that I sort of was personally involved in when I was back in the admin days. So I am just working through with the team at the moment, but uh, www.robinsoncivil.com.au, that's us. LinkedIn, both for the company and myself personally, and of course I'm on Facebook as well. I'm not the most active social media person when you say like marketing is a bit of a thing that construction doesn't really get into, but I am starting to exercise our right to social media a lot more these days. Yeah, that's good. Well, thanks very much for coming on the show. I appreciate your time. I'll speak to you soon. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you very much for having me. You've been listening to the Crushing It in Construction podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player, and it would be greatly appreciated if you could leave us a five-star review. If you'd like to learn more about employer branding and recruitment marketing strategy, feel free to visit our website at moonshotmedia.com.au or reach out to me directly at jaskinner.com at moonshotmedia.com.au. Thanks again for listening, and I'll speak to you in the next episode of Crushing It in Construction.